Good morning, everyone. This is Pastor Troy Bond, the Raven Institute of Ministry and Biblical Studies. And good to have you here on a day that God has made and prepared for us to know Him, to seek Him, and to declare His righteousness and His salvation to the nations. Uh, if you're viewing this for the first time today, if you're joining us for the first time, maybe you're listening to it by MP3, podcast, whatever it might be that you're listening to today. I'm Pastor Troy Bond, the Executive Director of Raven Ministries International. And what you've come to is our online live uh, Bible class that we offer here free of charge and we are currently going through an expository teaching on the book of Romans and if you've missed out on any of those classes never fear we are just on the fourth chapter and but we've got about 43 42 43 lessons that are already in but those things are available for you for an absolute free download by going to our website you can go to www.biggrace.com and click on I think it's study tools or something like that you'll be able to tell it when you get to the lead page but you go on there and those things are all available online to download in mp3 format to your computer copy them distribute them give them away uh, get that word in your study if you got any questions email me and let me know your questions any comments anything I can help you with uh, maybe to put study tools in your hands or if you're listening to this in a different country and you're in a place that does not have accessibility to some of the ways to print those things or whatever else, we would be more than glad to facilitate those things absolutely free of charge. Just email me at raven at uh, biggrace.com, raven at biggrace.com. All that stuff is on our website, biggrace.com. Check out the website. We've been doing a whole lot of updates on that, a lot of new information, uh, things that, that might be uh, beneficial to you or informative to you about the ministry of Raven Ministries International. But once again, good to good to be here in the presence of the Lord and in the company of the friends and brothers and sisters in the body of Christ. So let's just go to the Lord in prayer and just ask for His blessing uh, and His anointing and His uh, understanding and wisdom on today's teaching. Father, we just thank You today, Lord God, that You are good and Your mercy endures forever. That, Father, we are here today as a product of the grace and the mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, I thank You, Lord God, that that our accomplishments, Lord God, or anything that we do or are or, or able to, to accomplish in this life, Lord God, it's only just through our faith, Lord God, and our dependence upon You, Lord God, and through Your your mercy that has worked into our lives. And so, Father, we just come to You today and ask that You would just put a special anointing on this time of studying Your Word. We thank You that You have given us the Word of life, that You've given us, Lord God, the, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And so... When we fight this battle of life, Lord God, we, we've not gone in unarmed, Lord God, but you have given us, and you've said in your word, Lord God, that the weapons of our warfare, they're not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. And you've given us a word, Lord God, to turn back the advances of our adversary. And I thank you today, Lord Jesus, that you've equipped us thoroughly with your word, and you've given us the opportunity to learn of you, and you've given us the, the, the Spirit of God according to John 14, and, and, and poured out on the day of Pentecost in, John, in Acts 2 and 4, and we thank you today that we are partakers of that that righteousness is in Christ Jesus and that we can be filled with your spirit. Father, I pray, Lord God, for those that are just desiring more of you. I just pray that you would just fill them up and that you would give them the desires of that regenerated heart in you, Lord Jesus. Just cause their their hearts, Lord God, just to pant after your word. Just cause just a a hunger and a thirst for righteousness and just for an intimacy with you through the study of the word of God and just through the knowledge of your son, Jesus. And Father, we just come against any distractions of the adversary, any discouragement 
discouragement, anything that the enemy would do, Lord God, to just circumvent the work that you've called us to do for the kingdom of heaven. And we just ask in the name of Jesus that you just give us wisdom, give us understanding. Lord God, I confess that I'm not able, but Lord God, I, I serve one who is able. And we just, I'm just here, Lord God, as a vessel for you to use, Lord Jesus, to your good pleasure. I just submit myself unto you. I submit my heart, my, 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 my words, Lord God, all those things to you. And I just ask that you would bless those things, that our, our, our words, Lord God, would be pure and holy, Lord God, before you, and that we would just reveal truth, Lord God, to people in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen and amen. Once again, welcome here if you're just slipping in or, or just turning in. Good to have you this morning. Today we're going to be right back into the book of Romans, the fourth chapter. And so, uh, turn to the book of Romans. Romans, the fourth chapter, is really a good... I like it because it's really, you know, we, uh, we talked about yesterday, just the intensity of those first three chapters. And, you know, we got into chapter three... And uh, and looked at some some familiar passages that we we've often talked about twenty three twenty four twenty five uh, all of sin comes toward the glory of God being justified freely uh, through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus who God has set forth as that propitiation and you just saw the intensity of those type of things and and just that study in the. Uh, and just that picture that was presented for us uh, through the tabernacle, which was ultimately made manifest uh, in the cross of Calvary. But, you know, I love chapter 4 because it's kind of a, uh, even though it's kind of dealing with, a, uh, with an issue that we as Gentiles may not totally understand, but there's a lot of applicability in, in relationship to how the modern church has become. But uh, it's kind of a snapshot. And I, I like it because it's almost like a, you know, you're going down a road and you're, you're traveling a lot of miles. Then you, you, you see the sign that says rest area, five miles. And so you, you know that you, you've got an anticipation that you can stop there, stretch your legs. Romans chapter 4 is like that for me. You know, anytime you can just come back to that place and you've been through an intense study in the Word of God that we, we showed the, the requirements that God requires and the, just the depravity of man and all those things. And, and it's, it's struggle, we, especially when you begin to talk about just the, the priesthood and, and that the priesthood was a type of the priesthood of the believer. And, and all those things just, just work to, as a type and a shadow of the things that would come. And just the requirements, the things that the priest had to go through, and just showing that the that just the dedication requirement that God requires of us, then you get this you get this reprieve, you get this break that you can get out and stretch your spiritual legs, and you can just and He just says, "Come on, calm down, folks. I, I know that I'm putting a lot on you. I know that I'm requiring a lot, but much has been given to you. And at the end of the day, it's not it's not about what you do that's going to gain my favor. You've already gained my favor, and as a result of that, I'm going to show you." what you can do. Not, not that it's going to be some big, long, tedious task that it's going to be a, a, a system of ordinances and do's and don'ts. But listen, I'm telling you that I've, I've justified you. You've been saved by faith. It's not of your works. Don't think that you've got to jump through hoops to, to impress me or to, to obtain salvation. Listen, I've done it for you. Certainly, there's a job at hand. You know, the, the Word tells us that you know, Jesus said... Uh, told his disciples, he said, the things that I do are the works that I do. He said that you'll do also. And he said, greater works will you do because I go to be with the Father. That, that word works, we, we always like the part of it that's, you know, oh, it's going to be greater miracles and all these things. And certainly those things are components in that. But that word literally in the Greek, it means that works is a tiresome labor. And he was saying, listen, I had three and a half years of a tiresome labor, of a tedious work of, of promoting the gospel of the kingdom and discipling you. But listen, it's the, the work that we do for the kingdom of heaven, folks, is tiresome. It is laborious. It is a, but it's a labor of love, and it's one that, that, that 
that doesn't come without reward, that there's a great reward for us. That's why he tells us to not grow weary in well-doing because in due season that we'll reap if we do not faint. That there is a strength beyond the natural. There's a strength beyond our understanding. A comprehension beyond what we can uh, ascertain in, in our flesh or through our own intellect. And, and folks, it's that, you know what? At the end of the day, guys, it's about faith and, and faith alone in Christ Jesus. And when we walk in that and we have the understanding and the assurance of that, listen, we're not going to walk in a guilt and condemnation. We're not going to walk in, in, a, in a legalism or, or these type of things. I've got to do this. And we're not going to be bound by condemnation. But man, the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. And so, folks, that's what we're here. We're, in the, we're at that rest point. We're at that place where we get to stretch our legs. And we're going to need it. Because when we get into to 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, and 16, uh, the intensity really uh, amps up again. And so, but we really kind of need to get in our heart what God is telling us in, in the fourth chapter. And so, we've been discussing the really this, this enormously enlightening fourth chapter of the, the book of Romans the past couple of classes. And to me, it's really been refreshing reminder because that soul element uh, that is essential for our salvation is... Is faith, and it's faith alone. It, it's not a name, it's not a title, it's not a position, it's not a membership, it's nothing, nothing else. That it's just faith and faith alone. And so this morning, folks, really the one point that I want to kind of get from the, the heart of yesterday's teaching was verse 4 as we kind of parlay that into what we're going to be talking about in today's class. But in verse 4 he says, uh, Now to him who works, it says the wages are not counted as grace, but as debt. Folks, when someone attempts to, to do things that will produce righteousness or, or, or salvation in their lives, guys, the, the, the end result is always just the opposite of what one would hope for. And so when we think, okay, if I can do these things and as a result of that I'll gain God's favor and, and whatever else, you know what, it, just, it actually works just the opposite end of that. Have you, have you ever said to yourself, you know, that person's just trying too hard. And, and literally what it does, you know, you'll, and, and I say that in respect, maybe you have somebody that, uh, that, that wants to be your companion, wants to be your friend, wants to get in with you or whatever. And they're, they're, they try too hard. And so it's so over the top that, that rather than causing them to be attractive to you, rather than causing them to you want to have companionship, because they're so over the top, because they're trying so hard, it actually works the opposite effect and drives them away. Folks, it's the same thing with the kingdom. Listen, we think we're going to do all these things. What, what it effectively does is, is it's, it's counterproductive in our relationship with God when we think that, hey, we're going to do something that's going to produce a relationship with God but what we're going to have to say is, listen, I'm going, to, I'm going to just trust Him and I'm going to believe God for what He says. And instead of those good works being viewed by God as a, as a man humbling himself and doing those things that would please God, He views those things really as a further proof that man has continued in his attempt to diminish his responsibility and complete dependency upon God. Folks, when works are substituted for faith, then what the individual is really saying is what Jesus did on the cross is truly just inconsequential and unnecessary because man can produce his own righteousness apart from faith and is completely uh, uh, independent of, upon the blood of Jesus Christ. Guys, listen, if we could... Uh, if we could do things to produce righteousness, if we could do things to gain favor, listen, the, Jesus would not have had to die upon the cross of Calvary. We could have all said, okay, God, give us these ordinances. And that's exactly and precisely what the law revealed. You know, the law was given that sin might abound. In other words, the law was given to reveal just the inability of man to, to maintain the standard and to keep pace uh, with the, the, the righteous requirements of what God requires 
apart from the Spirit of God dwelling inside of him. And so the law came and that sin could abound and it revealed, listen, they fell by the time that Jesus came along and, and, and uh, uh, came and was incarn- incarnate and God came in the flesh. Look at the condition of, the, of the, uh, the religious system. Look at the Sanhedrin. Look at the scribes and the Pharisees and the, Sadduc- and the Sadducees. Excuse me. Listen, they had they'd become whitewashed tombs. These one that started out with a with a with a man like uh, Aaron as the high priest who who was uh, righteous before God. Men like uh, uh, different different high priests that, that came up and God utilized. By the time the priesthood manifested itself in 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 the first century, listen, I tell you what, it was just a, a basically a shell of what it was. And Jesus called them all kinds of things. He just revealed it to them: whitewashed tombs, uh, clouds without uh, rain, a brood of vipers. And so their their efforts. What did it do? It didn't produce more righteous. It didn't. Uh, you know, all those years and years and years of the law, fifteen hundred years of the law. Basically, what it ended up do, doing is just revealing how inferior the, the the works and the strengths and the power of man is to do anything. Uh, constant or consistent with faith in Jesus Christ. So, saying that, I want you to listen to something this morning and really in respect to that, to the, to that, that statement that, 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 that man, when he tries to do something or substitute something for faith or tries to substitute works for faith, it, it's really just saying that Jesus' is, his death was, like I said, inconsequential. But listen to Galatians 2, 20 and 21. And we've quoted this on a number of occasions during this class. In, in, in respect to that and what God's requiring of us just based upon faith and not by works. And, and Paul the Apostle, once again, writing to the church of Galatia, he said, I've been crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. He said, but I, it's not I that uh, live any longer, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh or in this life, he said, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. He said, I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness would come through the law, then Christ died in vain. In other words, listen, if I'm putting it in, in, on the respect of the law, or I'm putting it on my own works, or my own religiosity, listen, basically what I'm saying is, is, is the cross was vanity. The cross was, was inconsequential. The cross was unnecessary. And so another translation of verse 21 says this. He says, I do not treat the grace of God as meaningless. For if keeping the law could make us right with God, then there was no need for Christ Jesus to die. And so, if, if, if folks, if, listen, if I could just do certain things or work out things or, or, or do good deeds and, and, and win salvation, listen, Christ would have never had to have suffered the things that He'd suffered and, 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 and took my iniquities and my burdens and my chastisement upon Himself. And so I couldn't tell you the number of times that I've been witnessing to someone on the street uh, and really, this same issue materializes. Paul obviously was addressing a, a, a Jewish audience, but the audience really uh, just doesn't change. You know, I, I, I would say that the, the, the names change, but the faces remain the same. It's really the same situation. But I face this on the street, and when you ask somebody about their relationship with Jesus and whether or not they're serving God today, uh, they'll immediately resort to really sharing about their own goodness. They'll say things like, well, I, I work hard and, and I take... Uh, care of my family, so God's just going to have to understand that. Or, or I'm just too busy to attend church, and so God is just going to have to understand that. Or, or I, I just mind my own business, and, and God's just going to have to understand that. Or I, I have my own way of believing, and God's just going to have to understand that. And you know what, right, folks? They're right. God does understand that. God understands that they have treated the grace of God as meaningless, and God understands that 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 that. that they're more focused on themselves. God understands all those things. And, and, and he, uh, 
that, that they think that holding down that nine to five job is going to produce salvation, that, that they literally God understands that they thumbed his, their nose at the payment that he made for them, and God understands that they placed a premium on, a premium on their own righteousness instead of his. Uh, God understands that, that, that they uh, have their own way of believing. He understands that, that they don't have time. He understands all those time, things. But the, the bottom line is on the day of judgment, a greater understanding is going to be revealed to them. That regardless of God understands where they're coming from or where they've been, there was a greater understanding that He had that, that without Him, without the penalty uh, being paid through the blood of His Son Jesus, He understands that with, uh, unless they repent, they'll, come to, they'll, 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 they'll face uh, eternal hell and every torment. They'll perish. And so folks, it's bad enough when that mentality is, is perpetuated by unregenerate people or, un, or, or rank heathen, so to speak, but the same thought pattern, really, is, we see it carried out by the church uh, or by church people more often than not. You know, when you ask church people, let's call them church people, about their relationship with Jesus, you'll hear them so many times, and we, I hear this all the time on the streets, they'll say stuff like, oh, I was baptized. You know, you say, well, hey, do you got a relationship with Jesus? Oh, I've been baptized. Or, hey, do you have a relationship with Jesus? Well, I go to church. Or do you have a relationship with Jesus? Oh, 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 I know. I, I know what you're talking about. I know what you're talking about. You know, uh, you're, you're preaching to the choir. Well, well, folks, really, you know, what are they genuinely saying if they're not even answering the question? You know, the, the Bible tells us that we overcome by the blood of the Lamb. That's, that's the faith part that we put that. And the word of our testimony, that the, our faith in the blood of the Lamb should come out and roll out of our life and be testified in our life. And so I said it yesterday, and I'll, I'll say it again today, that anything that serves to take the place of faith and faith alone in Jesus Christ does not make you more righteous, but only serves to further condemn you. And so if it's, you know, oh, I, I was baptized. Well, what about your relationship with Jesus? Oh I, oh, I go to church. Well, what about your relationship with Jesus? Oh, you know, I, I know. What about your relationship with Jesus? Anything that we try to put, whether it's church attendance, whether it's uh, being baptized, whatever it is that, that tries to serve as a substitute for faith and faith alone, folks, all it does is condemn us even Further, John three nineteen says this. John three nineteen, he said, and this is the condemnation that light has come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. And I said, you know what? This is the darkness. So, darkness. What is darkness? This, this he said, is the darkness. Darkness. Now check this out. It's the word uh, skatos, which is you could, if you want an English spelling of that, it's s k o t o s, s k o t o s. And listen to what it is. It says that, that men love darkness. And so what is that darkness? It's used of ignorance, respecting divine things, and the subsequent human duty or responsibility towards those things. And it says, so this is the condemnation, that men loved their own ignorance, respecting divine things, and the subsequent human duty or responsibility towards those things. And so what happens is, is men... Men love to be ignorant. You know, the Scripture tells us that if a man desires to be ignorant, let him be ignorant. And so, that, and you see so many people that the, the Word talks about as well, that they're forever learning but never coming to the knowledge of the truth. And so what they do, they, they've dwelt in this environment, they've dwelt in a, in a place of darkness, and they've loved that. They, they've just said, I want to be ignorant, I want to be naive, I want to be stupid about it, I've got my own way of doing things. And, and so as a result of that, they, there's, a, there's a subsequent human duty or responsibility towards those things. And so they, they have to walk out this, this self-fulfilled prophecy. And so rather than humbling themselves when the word comes, what they do is that they harden their heart as in the day of the provocation, much like Pharaoh did. It's God revealed it, 
And because they they, they they had felt like the die had been cast, that they had they were they were too proud to admit that they were wrong, they just had there was a subsequent responsibility they felt like on their part to just reaffirm that listen, I'm just in the dark, this is just how it is, you're wasting your time, I'm gonna just do my own thing. And so it's their their darkness, that they're they're in darkness because their deeds were evil. And that word deeds is just basically works. It's what we're talking about here, because the things that they did because they were geared or they were focused upon the human element rather than the faith element, they were focused on self-righteousness rather than the imputed righteousness that was given to us through faith uh, in Jesus Christ when He drew us by His grace, that it says that their deeds became evil. That word evil is to be misplaced and more, uh, morally culpable. And so what, what happens is they move into that darkness, that, that, that ignorance, and they like it. And so they have to, they have to continue to fulfill those things. And, and so through their works, and they just become misplaced, totally most misplaced, morally culpable, and, and destitute, and shipwrecked uh, apart from faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so, you know, that is that light. Men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. Now think about this, Luke 179. Luke 179. We're told that Jesus came to give light to those that sit in darkness. And so when Jesus came, when He came to bring the light, listen, He came for, for, for people like that. Because you know what, folks? Regardless of where we were, our background may not have been religious. We might have been those rank heathen. We might have been those, those ones that were totally spiritually and morally destitute, having no upbringing or whatever else. But folks, regardless of where we were, we sat in darkness. We were in that place of ignorance. And everything that we did was to fulfill the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. But God in His mercy sent His Son Jesus and came in the form of, of sinful flesh and but knew no sin. And He died a vicarious substitutionary death upon the cross of Calvary and rose three days later and now sits at the right hand of power. That way that those who believe upon Him might have life have it everlasting and have it more abundantly. That's what, what He did for us because He found us sitting in darkness. And it says, But He came in Luke one seventy nine to give light to those who sit in darkness in the shadow of death and to guide our feet into the way of peace. And so He's given us His Word. He's given us the Holy Spirit to be that guide to take us into that place of light, to give light to us, to give a, an illumination, to, 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 to chase off the darkness that's been in our, our hearts through the, 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 the wicked heart of, of unbelief. And so all of us, and with all of our efforts apart from faith in this redemptive work of the cross of Calvary, we were in that same position. Now think about this. John twelve forty six, kind of carrying out that thought. He said, I have come as a light unto the world, and whosoever believes in me will not abide in darkness. And so folks, listen, he said, if you abide in me and I, my word abides in you, that you'll be my disciple. But he said he came as a light into the world that when we believe on Him, when we, when we uh, have, have given ourselves over to Him, when we put our, our complete faith and our obedience unto Him, when we subject every area of our life unto Him, He said then we'll no longer abide in darkness, that we won't find ourselves or our dwelling place or we won't find our, our life being caught up in that, those darkened places of being ignorant and, and rejecting the divine things with, that produce that subsequent human uh, duty and responsibility towards those erroneous errors and those works. But He said then we'll move into a place of, of light. So let's walk out just a little bit further in relationship to the subject of faith. Romans 10, 17, we all know it. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. And so Psalms 119, 105 in, in relationship to uh, John 12, 46 and, and Luke 179, Psalms 119, 105, it says that His Word is the lamp unto my feet and that light unto my path. What, what path is it? The exact 
same path that's become that way of peace in Luke 179. And so we see how all those things tie together. Now, I want you to watch that contrast. You know what? He tells us that if we walk in the light, that, 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 that we'll move out of darkness. He says if we, we, we walk in the light, then we won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. If we walk in the light, that our deeds won't be misplaced. If we walk in the light, we won't walk in self-righteousness, but we'll walk in the righteousness which was purchased for us and imputed to us through faith in Jesus Christ. Now watch the progression and the contrast of those two different sides. Self-righteousness, righteousness in Christ. Uh, the, 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 the works of the, the, the Spirit, the works of the flesh. Look at that in, 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 in contrast in what I'm fixing to read from 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Verses 14 through 17. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 14 through 17. Check this out. This is interesting. He says, Do not be yoked together with unbelievers. For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? What harmony is there between Christ and Baal? What does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? What agreement is there between the temple of God and with idols? For we are the temple of the living God... Has, and as, I, as God has said, I will live with them and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they will be my people. Therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch the unclean thing, and I will receive you. And so look at that contrast right there. Light versus darkness. Righteousness versus wickedness. Christ versus Baal. Uh, believers, unbelievers. Temple of God and idolatry. And he says, come out from among those things. Come out from among what? Come out from among those things that, that represent self-righteousness, that, that represent self-assurance, that represent uh, 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 self-appreciation, that represent self-esteem for that matter. And so, folks, uh, self-righteousness or works are at best uh, really uh, progenitors, if, if I could say, or something that produces an offspring of darkness and they'll only really reproduce more darkness. And so whereas faith, is the source of true light and, and true and genuine sa uh, salvation. We're called out of that old darkness, out of that works mentality, of, out of a self-righteous mentality, of a, out of a self-willed mentality, into the glorious light, as the Scripture tells us in 1 Peter 2.9. And so we're called out of the flesh, or out of man-made, self-centered religion, out of man-exalting and man-motivated pseudo-spirituality, out of man-pleasing and out of man-measuring type of, 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 of a relationship, and into a place that everything is measured through and by the cross of Calvary, and that when we're measured up against that, we see that we lack, that we see that we don't measure up, and so we've got to put every bit of our faith upon Christ and Christ alone to produce righteousness in our life. And faith... Will, will, will not reproduce the works of the flesh. Faith will only reproduce works of righteousness. In other words, I want to say this. Faith will reproduce righteousness. And so that's that, 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 re, uh, that, that, that progenation. That's that reproduction that comes in our life. If we walk in faith, faith will always reproduce righteousness. Faith is always going to have a, an offspring. Faith is always going to do that. Why, why can I say that? Because I know that what the Word says that God is not mocked. Whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. And so if I'm walking in faith, that there's going to be a revelation, there's going to be a revealing of the fruit of faith in my life. And so that brings you to the question is, okay, what, what is the picture of the fruit of faith? If I'm walking in genuine biblical faith versus what is often called faith, what will that genuine faith reproduce? I'm, I'm glad you asked that question because we can. I believe we can find it back in the book of Romans, the first chapter, verses 16 and 17, and we've talked about this as well. 
Paul the Apostle said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Of what gospel? The gospel of Jesus Christ. What is the gospel of Jesus Christ? That Jesus came, that Jesus died, that Jesus paid the price, that Jesus rose again, that Jesus is coming back. It's the, it's, that is the faith message. It's faith in Christ and Christ alone is our source. He said, I'm not ashamed of that message of Jesus Christ for it is the power of God. It's singular. not It's, it's one option or it's one component of it. It solitarily, it uh, solo scriptura, it is it. It is, the, it is the power of God unto salvation for everyone that believes. To the Jew first and also to the Greek. Because in that or therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. For it is written, the just shall live by faith. Folks, listen. The, the, the work of faith is going to produce just what he said. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. He prefaced that in verse 15 by saying, listen, man, I'm, I'm ready to go preach the gospel to those that are at Rome. Folks, listen, genuine faith will produce in us an urgency to preach the gospel. Why? Because that is the product of righteousness. That is, that is, that is the offspring of faith in Jesus Christ. And so when I come to him, if it's genuine faith, Listen, no one's going to have to start a raven team in my community to get me to witness. No one's going to have to, to, to begin a jail ministry to get me to pre, uh, preach to the captivity. No one's going to have to start a church program to, to cause me to get stirred up to go uh, tell somebody. Nobody's going to have to organize a, a Mardi Gras outreach or a Skid Row outreach or a New York City outreach or a Daytona Beach outreach. Why? Because I'm going to be doing that. That's, there's going to be something that's going to be coming out of my life constantly and I'm going to be witnessing wherever I go. Why? Because it's going to flow out of me because I believe. He that believes, as the Scripture says, out of his belly is going to flow rivers of living water. That, that water of life, that, 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 that gospel message is always going to come out of our life. It's going to be the fruit and it's going to be the offspring of our faith. It's going to be what's produced through that. It's going to be our, our, our posterity. It's going to be those things that come out of our life. And so, winning people to Jesus. I want to say this and put something in your, your, your mind to think about. Winning people to Jesus is really that one distinguishable characteristic of biblical faith that sets it, that sets genuine biblical faith apart from all other kinds of, of faith, whether they whatever they are, false faith, I could call it, because it's the only thing that cannot be counterfeited. I want to say that again: winning people to Jesus, not winning people to a church, not winning people to our ministry, but winning people to Jesus, is that one distinguishable characteristic of biblical faith that is set apart from all others because it cannot be counterfeited. And so you may say to yourself, well, what about, what about false conversion? Well, and to which I'll say, well, God, God doesn't recognize those conversions that are false uh, to begin with. And so for God, there's, there's no such thing as a false conversion because God knows the hearts of men. He knows the thoughts and the intents of a man's, uh, of a man's heart. And so we may call something saved, that's not saved, but God is not fooled by those things. We can show up and we can we can cross ourselves with a cross and we can splash oil on our heads or or or, 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 or take communion or whatever it is, but God is not fooled by those things. God doesn't say doesn't write a name in the Lamb's Book of Life and say, man, I messed up on that one. God knows when someone genuinely comes to Christ Jesus. And so it's not a guessing game with Him. So when we win someone to Jesus and someone really comes into the kingdom, you can't counterfeit that type of thing. And so, uh, and all those things that, that are measured against true biblical salvation that, that we see as counterfeit, they're, they're really like comparing monopoly money with a, with a, with a treasury department produced $100 bill. There's just no comparison. So when God compares genuine people getting one to Christ versus this false wide gate conversion. 
Listen, it's, it's very distinguishable to Him. We may have a hard time distinguishing between the wheat and the tares, but folks, I guarantee God does not. He knows His sheep. He knows His children. He knows who He has bought. He, he sees the seal of, of His Spirit upon their life, and He knows those type of things in their heart and in their life. And so, folks, that you, but you'll find plenty of these, these, these counterfeit Christians. What, what you'll do is you'll really be hard-pressed and I really challenge you to, to take a look at yourself and look at your look at people that you know in the in the, in the church and find someone that's really that's not really saved, but is but is really committed to telling people about Jesus and preaching His kingdom and the necessity to repent and believe the gospel. And and what you're not going to find is you're not going to find a, a counterfeit Christian that is that is dedicated. Uh, in preaching the gospel to other people. One that's going to spend hours on his feet. The one that's going to be day after day just having an urgency. You're not going to see counterfeit Christianity reproducing that type of people that's willing to go into the highways and the hedges and the hell holes of this world and, and preach the gospel to, to repent for the kingdom of his hand. It's just not going to happen. You'll, you'll, you'll see plenty of, of counterfeit Christians in, in other places but you won't see them doing the, the, the work, the genuinely work of the ministry of reconciliation. Why? Because it's, 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 it's not self-serving and it's not self-gratifying, uh, uh, but it's self-sacrificing. Because folks, to preach the gospel demands a sacrifice. It demands a humility. It demands in denying yourself and taking up your cross and imitating Jesus. Because in it, you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna face trouble. You're going to face trial. You're going to face conflict. You're going to face rejection and all those things. And if it's about you, you're going to get dis, uh, disheartened and discontented in doing those type of things because you're going, to, you're going to think it's pointed towards you. But when you're pointing people towards Jesus, that you know they're not rejecting you, that you're just the firefighter out there that is pouring out the word, uh, the water of the word and the hope that it's going to extinguish the flames of hell that have already engulfed that, engulfed that, that victim of the, the, the hellish uh, attacks of the adversary. And so literally that soul winning and winning people to Jesus and preaching an unadulterated gospel is really that solitary distinguishable characteristic that sets apart genuine faith-filled believers from those that are walking in a counterfeit church. And so you'll see, like I said, you'll see a lot of counterfeit Christians and they'll be attending church services. They'll be singing in Easter cantatas and they'll be serving on deacon boards and they'll be uh, sporting Christian paraphernalia and t-shirts and bumper stickers and, and everything else. But the chances of a counterfeit Christian uh, being a, a radical about going out and preaching the gospel to the lost and uh, pouring out their life for others, you just will not see that. Why? Because he said that we know his disciples by the love that we show one another. And the scripture tells us that no greater love has any man seen but a man that would lay down his life for a friend. And really to preach the gospel, to walk in, in, in to see the outflow of the righteousness of God, you've got to be willing to lay down your life. Because there's too many other things in life that want to choke out the responsibility. Some of those things seem religious. Some of those things seem like a, a great uh, moral endeavor. But folks, literally, they'll choke out the great responsibility that we have to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every living creature. And, but to get in the trenches, folks, to preach Jesus is the only way and the only truth and the only life. Uh, it, it really requires a constancy and a determination well beyond the allure of the flesh. It requires genuine faith, the faith that reveals the righteousness of Christ Jesus in you and serves as the catalyst literally to reproduce that same type of righteousness in others. So genuine faith will produce 
genuine faith in other people. And so a counterfeit faith, basically what it's going to produce is, 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 more, is more church goers. It's going to produce more people that are going to sit on their rear and not do anything if it's a false faith. Genuine faith, what it will do, it will stir up something in other people to go preach Jesus and, and Christ only, the hope of salvation. It's going to preach an urgency of the time that we're living in that they've got to repent. And without holiness, no man shall see the Lord. And so faith and faith alone... Uh, in Jesus is what saves. And genuine faith is going to produce fruit beyond feelings and a commitment that literally uh, uh, conquers any type of compromise. I had, a, I had a dear friend, a pastor of mine, that called me yesterday, and he, he had some questions about Carlton Pearson. And we talked about Carlton Pearson. Some of you guys may be familiar with him, but, but he was a, a, a big Pentecostal uh, pastor. He pastored a church, I believe, called Higher Dimensions Church in Tulsa, Oklahoma. He was kind of the one of the, the, the up and coming poster children uh, within the charismatic movement. He was a uh, you know had been mentored by Oral Roberts. He uh, was a graduate of Oral Roberts University. He was uh, uh, sung on their, their their television programs. He was on TBN, and he had all these accolades and all this stuff. And he's the one that that has uh, basically denied the faith and become apostate and shipwrecked and basically teaches a, a Unitarian type of teaching that says that everybody's saved. That it's the doctrine of inclusion. That you don't really necessarily have to have faith in Jesus. You don't necessarily have to, 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 to adhere to Christ and Christ alone. All you've really got to do is just just do because you're going to be saved anyway and, and really the only benefit of, of doing those things is just so you'll have a realization now but one day everyone's going to get that realization he teaches that there's no hell or anything else but this pastor friend called me in the context of our conversation that, that he's the superintendent this pastor friend of mine with the church of God in Christ in Texas and he's been you know a, a minister through that and he's a, a within their denominational leadership in that. And he, well, he was calling for it because he wanted to get my thoughts on that subject because he was uh, uh, considering some men who had applied for ministerial credentials or ordination to be ministers through the church of God in Christ. And, and he was troubled when he began to think and he began to see, I believe, 2020 or 60 minutes. Some had, a, had an article or had a docu, uh, kind of a news uh, reel on this Carlton Pearson situation. And because Carlton Pearson used to be a minister in the Church of God in Christ. And so this, this, this pastor was, was just concerned because he's thinking, you know what, here's these guys that are coming in. And, and, but you have this, this man that was just like them at one time. He seemed to be faithful in the faith, and now he's has walked into total abject heresy. And so uh, he just began to ask, you know, what happened? How can that happen in some place? Question. So I, I asked him the question. I said, was Carlton Pearson or was someone in that situation... Were they ever a part of the church? Or had they just strictly been trained as to have church? I want to say that again. You have to ask yourself a question. Was that person ever a part of the church? Or had they just learned how to have church? And folks, that's really a, a question that's got to be asked in many cases. You know, you take a man like Carlton Pearson who talked about his grandmother bringing him, taking him to church from the time he was a child and all these type of things. Now, as far as knowing how to do church... Man, he learned it from an early age. He, he knew all the nuances of, of Christianity. He, he knew when people were supposed to shout and people were supposed to jerk and people were supposed to, to, to dance. He knew how to uh, put a certain inflection into his voice because he had seen those type of things. But you've got to ask yourself, was it, a, was it a genuine faith that's going to produce righteousness and total only faith in Jesus Christ? Or had he really had just 
been able to walk under the guise of this counterfeit Christianity, doing all these things and producing a, 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 a type of, 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 of truth or a type of godliness, but genuinely denied the power thereof. And folks, listen, we've got to challenge ourselves and we've got to challenge the anything that declares itself as church and say, okay, are we having church or are we church? Because having church can get you on the Hammond B3 organ and, and get you uh, uh, hooking and jiving. It can, it can get you falling on the ground. It can get you reading from a, 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 a book. It can get you opening up and singing a hymn. It can get you faithful to Sunday school. But listen, those things aren't the, the measurables in the kingdom in regards to faith. Those things are just a byproduct or should be a byproduct. But folks, when we put the focus on the works or upon the byproduct, over and above what genuine faith should produce. Listen, we, 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 we run the risk of running aground in our relationship with Christ Jesus. So we've got to stay on guard and to not become mechanical or traditional in our walk with the Lord to the degree that we're just ceased to be the church and instead we just digress to just doing churchy things. And so that was the error that, of this Jewish populace that Paul was dealing with. And, 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 that, and really what we see is it become the error of the modern church as well in Christianity. That we've seen those, those things happen. That it's become a form of godliness that denies the power. It becomes in doing a lot of things but never seeing the genuine transformation come into our life that conquers compromise, that demands a commitment, that produces a fruit beyond feelings. And there's a constancy in it that is based upon faith, that is, that is based upon what God has said rather than what we see or what circumstances or what the, the issues of this temporal life uh, dish out to us or dole out to us in the natural. And so uh, that was the error then and I believe it's the error now and we've got to be mindful of those type of things. Otherwise, we'll find ourselves caught up in the same churchy type of things and not being the church of the Lord Jesus Christ and walking in those precepts. And so these next two sections that we're, we're talking about, verses 9 through 12 and 12 through 17, really are going to work hand in hand. I want to read those, those verses, verses 9 through 17. And we're going to talk about that because it really, that, it's really kind of a commentary. And like I said, this is kind of the rest stop and it kind of brings everything back into perspective in our study of the book of Romans. But verse 9 in Romans chapter 4 says this. It says, it says cometh, cometh this blessedness upon the circumcision only. So once again, he's talking about, listen, was, was the blessedness of salvation, was, was this justification through faith only for those of the circumcision only or upon the uncircumcision also? For we say that faith was reckoned to Abraham for righteousness. So who was then it reckoned? Or who was it given to? When he was, uh, when he was in uh, circumcision or when uncircumcision? Well, he says not in circumcision, but in uncircumcision. After he re received the sign of circumcision, which was a seal of righteousness of the faith which he had yet been uncircumcised, that he might be the father of all of them that believed, even though he had not yet been circumcised, that righteousness might be imputed unto them also. And the father of the circumcision to them that are not of the circumcision only, but to also who those that walk in the steps of faith of our father Abraham, which he had not yet been circumcised. So basically those, those one, two, three, four verses are basically saying, listen, it wasn't about circumcision that, that brought them. And folks, it's not about the things that you do that are going to save you because with him, it was prior to those things that righteousness was imputed by faith. And it's the same thing with us. That, that listen, you don't go to church to get righteous. You go to church because you're righteous. You don't preach the gospel to get righteous. You preach the, 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 the gospel because God has made you righteous through the blood of Jesus. Now, let's jump down to 13. He says, For the promise that we should be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through righteousness of faith. 
For if they which are of the law be heirs, faith is made void, and the promise made of none effect. Because the law worketh wrath, for that where there is no law, there is no sin, or there is no transgression. Therefore it is of faith that it might be of grace, to the end the promise might be sure to all the seed. Not only to those which are of the law, but also to this of faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. He said, As I have have written, I have made thee a father of many nations. Before him whom he believed, even God, who quickened the dead, and called those things which were not as though they were. And so, like I said, that first section, it was it dealt with, with justification that were before God that uh, that was apart from circumcision. Then this, that second one reveals that, that Abraham was justified uh, before there was ever a law. That was a period of over 400 years between the time that he was declared righteous in the law. I believe it was like four, a little over 14 years from the time that, that he was declared righteous by God until the, he, he enacted or was circumcised. And so... Think about this, folks, in relationship to those things that we try to put in front or we try to call those things faith or we try to call those things righteousness. Galatians chapter 3, verses 6 through 11. Galatians 3, 6 through 11. I know this is going to really shed some light on this and, and, and really bring something into perspective for you. Galatians 3, 6 through 11. He said, Even as, or in the way that Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness, Know ye therefore that they which are of faith the same are the children of Abraham? And the Scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith, preached the gospel unto Abraham, and saying, In these shall all nations be blessed. So then they which be of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. For as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that continueth, not in the things which are written in the book of the law, to do them. But that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God. It is evident that the just shall live by faith. I like to say it this way. That the justified person's life will be consumed by the moral conviction of the truthfulness of God. That's what it says. The just shall live by faith. Or the person that's genuinely be justified, uh, their life will be consumed by the moral conviction of the truthfulness of God. And so, folks, what you're going to see throughout Paul's epistles, all the epistles that he wrote, whether it was to the epistle at, uh, at Galatia or Philippi or Thessalonica or whatever it was that he wrote, he's constantly dealing with the issue of, of religious men trying to add something else to faith in order to feel like they were somehow meeting God in the middle. And that's what happens sometimes when we get away from just thinking, you know what? That we were just totally destitute without Christ, and we try to do things to kind of meet Him in the middle, or I'm doing this, or or what? I'm I'm doing something that's going to be pleasing unto God, so I'm going to get God's uh, I'm going to get God's honor, or I'm going to get God's respect, or I'm going to get God's appreciation. Folks, listen. The the only thing that declares us not guilty is when God sees us through the blood of His Son Jesus. When when that blood is sprinkled upon that mercy seat in heaven, and all of our sins, all of our transgressions. All of our works of the flesh, whether they be good or bad, when God sees them, He doesn't see us for who we are when we're walking by faith. He sees us through the shroud and the covering and the cleansing element, which is the blood of Jesus. But Paul always saw those things. And guys, we see it today. Everybody is always trying to meet God in the middle. And you know, we're thinking, okay, if I build another prayer tower, if I have another conference, if I do some other thing, or if I get another title in front of my name, or whatever else, somehow I'm meeting God in the middle. And God's going to say, yeah, that's a, that's a great guy, or that's a great woman. But folks, listen, we, we've got to understand that it's faith and faith alone in Christ Jesus. And so, even... Paul the Apostle found himself confronting Peter. And, and I want to read from a, from a chapter in Galatians that, that I just read from. Uh, but I only gave you those, that, the end of that. 
And now I want to bring something a little bit closer. And this is out of Galatians uh, chapter 2. And uh, I want to read that. I want to read those 21 verses to you in Galatians chapter 2 because you're going to see something in relationship to this, uh, to this issue of, okay, what is it that the church is doing now that is not a genuine faith that produces counterfeit Christianity? I want you to look at this and I want you to compare it to our, our study on, on the book of Romans. And really, folks, listen, Galatians is a, a tremendous companion book to the book of Romans when you're studying it. Now listen to what Paul the Apostle said. And this is talking about right after. He says, 14 years later, or after his Damascus Road experience, he said, I went up again to Jerusalem, this time with Barnabas. And he said, I took Titus with me also. Now remember that. He took Titus with him. And he said, I went in response to a revelation or to something that, that God revealed to me. And he said, I said before them the gospel that I had preached among the, the Gentiles. And he said, so I went up to Jerusalem and I was preaching something that Christ revealed to me. And he said, I want to, get, I want to tell them what I've been preaching to the Gentiles. He said, but I did this privately to those who seemed to be leaders for fear that I was running uh, or had run my race in vain. Then in verse 3, he said, not yet even Tyson who was with me was compelled to be circumcised even though he was a Greek. And he said, then this matter arose and the situation came up because some false brothers, listen to that, had infiltrated our ranks to spy on the freedom which uh, we have in Christ Jesus and to make us slaves. Now, I want to, I want to kind of digress just a, a verse or two verses. He says that, that the matter arose within this conversation because there were false brothers who had infiltrated the ranks. Now, listen, he, he said that he went to, to privately speak to those who seem to be leaders. And so folks, listen, within the ranks of leadership, within the ranks of, 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 of quote-unquote church leadership even, there are these false brothers who have infiltrated our, our, our ranks to, to literally to deprive us from the freedom that we have in Christ Jesus and to make us free to religious legalism, to make us free from the, 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 the rudiment to, to try to, to get us in bondage to the teachings of men and to the bondages of, of, of sectarianism and all these other type of things. They've infiltrated our ranks to, to, say, uh, to, to preach another gospel that's a, really become an enemy of the cross. Then I love what Paul said. And listen, folks, this needs to be your testimony and my testimony. He said, I did not give in to them for a moment so that the truth of God might remain with you. He said, listen, I didn't back down. He said, I didn't, he said, I didn't, I didn't taper off because of their position. He said, I didn't bow. I didn't bend. I didn't break. He said, I didn't cower because these guys said they were leaders. These guys uh, appeared to have a title. These guys wrote books. These guys were on television. These guys were on radio. These guys had big churches. He said, listen, I got news for you folks. He said, I didn't back down one bit in what I said. He said, I may have been on the backside of the wilderness for the last 14 years and, and none of these guys may not know who I am or have any appreciation for what God's called me to do. He said, but listen, God has gave me a revelation of the gospel. And he said, I am not backing down or watering it down to please them. He said, the reason being, he said, so the gospel might remain in you. Folks, let that be your testimony. Regardless of the pressures that this world puts upon you or situations do, do not back down. And he said, for those that seem to be important, I love that. He said, and for those who seem to be important, he said, he said, whatever. He said, because that makes no difference to me. He said, because God does not judge by external appearance. Those men added nothing 
to my message. He said, listen, I don't know how important they thought they were. I don't care if they had a robe on or whatever else. He said, they, they added absolutely nothing. He said, there's not good. Yeah, when you ask him if, they, if he watched their TV program, he's like, why would I watch it? They have nothing to add to what, what God has already showed me. Uh, well, did you get this latest book? Why, why would I read that latest book? I've got, I've got the timeless book of the Word of God. Those folks have nothing to add to me. If it's some new revelation or, or, or some new thing that they think they got, listen, they have nothing to add to me. He said, on the contrary, they saw that I had been entrusted with the task of preaching the gospel to the Gentiles just as Peter had been to the Jews. He said, for it was God who was at work in the ministry of Peter as an apostle to the Jews. He was also at work in my ministry as an apostle to the Gentiles. Verse 9. And he said, James, Peter, and John, he said, those who are reputed, those that are called to be pillars, he said, they gave me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship. They, they affirmed who we were. And, 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 and when they recognized the grace given to me, or they recognized the divine influence of God upon my life and its reflection in my life, they agreed that we should go to the Gentiles and that, and that they would go to the Jews. <clears throat> but check this out. He says that they asked that we should continue to remember the poor, which was the very thing that we were eager to do anyhow. That it says, but when Peter came to Antioch, he said, I opposed him face to face because he was clearly in the wrong. He said, I didn't bow, bow to this, touch not my anointed, don't do my prophet or do my apostle no harm. But he said, I opposed him, he said, face to face because he was in the wrong. And he said, before certain men came from James, he says, he used to eat with the Gentiles. But when they arrived, he began to draw back and separate himself from the Gentiles because he was afraid of those who belonged to this circumcision group. He says, the other Jews joined him in this hypocrisy so that by their hypocrisy, even Barnabas, somebody like Barnabas, who had a heart like Barnabas, was led astray. Then in verse 14, and he said, But when I saw that they were not acting in line with the truth of the gospel, he said, I said to Peter in front of them all, You are a Jew, yet you live like a Gentile and not like a Jew. So how is it that you're trying to force the Gentiles to follow some Jewish custom that you don't even follow? He said, We who are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners... He said, do you know that a man is not justified by observing the law, but he's justified by faith in Jesus Christ? So we too have put our faith in Christ Jesus that we may be justified by faith and not by observing the law, because by observing the law, no one, absolutely no one will be justified. If while we seek to be justified in Christ, it becomes evident that we ourselves are sinners, does that mean that Christ promotes sin? Absolutely not. If we rebuild, folks, verse 18, that which was destroyed... He said, I proved that I'm a lawbreaker. For through the law, he said, I died to the law so that I might live for Christ. And so, folks, listen. If we think that we're going to adhere to some type of ordinances or some type of things in order to impress God, listen. Basically, what we're, we're, we've become a lawbreaker in and of ourselves. Now, here's those two verses that we've read on numerous occasions in Galatians 2.20. There was the context. I've been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, but Christ, He lives in me. The life I live in this body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. And He said, I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteous could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. And folks, listen, we see that the church has effectively tried to do the exact same things. Paul wasn't trying to destroy the truth that could be found in the law. He was just putting it in its proper perspective. Folks, listen. We're saved by grace through faith. It's not of our works, lest any man should boast. It's not of the circumcision. It's, it's not of the law. Faith transcends all of those elements that men can get their hands around. Why? Because it demands that man die and just completely be devoted to Jesus Christ. And so, prayer, worship, reading the Bible, 
attending church, joining a particular group, being water baptism, uh, baptized. Folks, none of those things will ever, ever, ever produce the righteousness of God. Those things can only be the byproduct that, that, that proves out or shows or serves as a reminder of the righteousness of God. The, the righteousness of God is only revealed in our life through faith in Jesus Christ. And what it's going to produce is an urgency to share or to reproduce that righteousness in other people by taking the gospel to a lost and dying world. Look at the last thing that he told them out of Mark 16. He said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. He didn't say, go and join a church. He said, didn't go and start a, a prayer ministry. He didn't say, go and start a benevolence ministry. He said, I want you to go and preach the gospel. Folks, he made the main thing the main thing. Does that mean that prayer ministries are bad? No. Does that mean that joining the church is wrong? Absolutely not. Does that mean that, that we shouldn't be benevolent? Certainly not. But folks, listen, we've got to put those things in proper perspective. Faith produces a faith-filled word that urges us and compels us to bring people into the kingdom of God. Folks, listen, we are already out of time this morning. And uh, listen, we'll finish up the book of... Uh, uh, the, the fourth chapter of the book of Romans tomorrow in that last part, which is really kind of a synopsis of the things that we've covered. And so we'll cover that uh, tomorrow. And uh, then on Monday, which will be our next class after that, tomorrow's Friday if you're listening to this on tape, uh, we'll jump into the fifth chapter. And so this has been kind of that, that rest period. This has been kind of that refocusing. That folks, everything that we're talking about is faith and faith in Jesus Christ alone. It's not the works of our own hands, the works of our own flesh but it's faith in them. Like I said, we're out of time. If uh, uh, you're listening to this, you want to you get more information on Raven Ministries, go to www.biggrace.com. You'll find the links to these teachings and the previous 42, 43 messages. Whatever it is, this message, if you're listening to it live, will be online and available today. Folks, got one thing to say to you today. Get into God's Word, and God's Word will get into you.